taken a few steps over the past few years and in more recent months to strengthen the integrity measures we have in place to ensure we're dealing with real letters of acceptance from institutions. But every once in a while, you do see bad actors, particularly from other parts of the world who are difficult to police from Canada, who seek to take advantage of international students. That is Sean Fraser, the Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship. This story is heartbreaking for a lot of people. There's some media reports out there that peg the number at 700. That's potentially how many international students could face deportation from Canada after their admission letters were found to be not genuine because of, as Minister Fraser just said there, a bad faith actor in India who was issuing these letters. So apparently these students had all applied for student visas through a consulting company that has since been closed. And it was fine. They came to Canada. They studied. Some of those students then applied for permanent residency status. And that's when their offer letters to come to Canada came under scrutiny. And they found out that their letters were potentially fraudulent. And it is sizable, as I said there. Hundreds of students came through as a result of this consulting company. So how do we prevent something like this from happening? And what's going to happen now to these students. Well, Matthew McDonald is with us now, a regulated Canadian immigration consultant and founder of Matthew McDonald Immigration Services. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, Simi. Have you ever heard of a case this kind of extensive before? This is definitely the largest case of this size that I have heard of. Um, you know, certainly, as uh, Sean Fraser mentioned, um, from time to time, um, we do hear cases of fraud. Um, you know, they're often recognized much earlier. Um, but certainly for something, we're hearing numbers of, you know, 100 to 700 in the, in the reports of this developing story. It's definitely concerning in terms of its size and scope. Right. Because my understanding as well as the students didn't know, right, they thought they were coming here to study. What happens now to them? So the, the big question here is we're looking at um, something called misrepresentation. And that's why um, this is, um, from what I read in the stories, um, this is being taken to the federal um, court. This is being challenged through a process of judicial review. Um, the, the misrepresentation, I think, is, is something we should look at. It's, it's kind of the criminal or the cardinal sin within Canadian immigration. Um, really, our, our Canadian immigration system, for, for it to, you know, it has to have integrity. It has to... Um, people have to have faith in, in it that, that people aren't fraudulently trying to come to Canada. I think for Canadians to have trust in the system. So that is important. And so the, the, the law of the system does have to have some teeth um, when misrepresentation occurs. So, you know, when there's fraudulent documents used to get into Canada. But I think the crux of the matter is um, balancing the, the teeth of the law with what appears to be growing in the, this case that, um, that these students are victims of fraud themselves. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not involved in the matter. I haven't verified the facts, but the story seems to be that, this, that there was this ghost consultant who seems to have who tricked a large number of people who, um, who came to Canada, um, and these, these documents were not caught as fraudulent by IRCC or the CBSA, um, that only years later after these students have, have come, they seem to have actually studied in Canada, worked in Canada, seem to have been um, quite rule-abiding through their entire time here. Um, and it's only now that um, they themselves are possibly finding out that they were, were, um, were duped as well. So that's, I think, the crux of the matter in, in, in how we, what kind of level of what, what humanitarian and compassionate lens um, we, we could take on, on this case if these um, students are indeed victims of fraud. Right. So what, what are the steps that are usually taken here, Matthew? Like if you had a client that was going through this, what would you advise them to do? 
Um, so um, it's a, it's definitely a, a complex area, and it's uh, something that you do want legal representation on that take a lot of care. I do work with international st- students a lot on their transition to permanent residency. Um, I would actually, I don't do with deportations and removal. Um, I would actually refer to someone else who specializes in this area. But um, what happens first is that if there's any allegation of misrepresentation, the um, the, the, the applicant, uh, the foreign national here, would get a procedural fairness level, letter. So they do have the opportunity to respond. And at that point, that's what would trigger, I, I think, would scare anyone enough to seek out legal advice on how best to respond. Um, so um, the response um, it seems to have moved along the way from the reports I'm reading to the point that um, the um, CBSA has 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 not accepted the, the response and this is moving to the federal court now. And I, I think these are, it sounds like, again, I'm just reading the news reports myself, that these are going to be examined at, a, at, an, at an individual case-by-case um, level through the federal court. Okay, so how is it that students do come to this country to study? What is that process generally like? Um, the standard process is that they would apply to a post-secondary institution. There is a list of designated learning institutions that are approved by the provinces. So the province um, gives colleges and universities or other educational institutions um, the authority to accept international students. So there's a provincial level of approval first. And then, um, so once the applicant gets accepted into one of these designated learning institutions that's been approved by the province, then um, they would apply to the federal level for something called a study permit. And with that study permit application, they have to submit a letter of acceptance. So um, understandably, um, I think back 2017, 2018, um, you know, these were, were digital documents or scanned um, versions of what was on paper, you know, as digital um, processes have changed over the past 10 years. Um, and, and so it would be up to IRCC to, to verify the letter of acceptance. Um, since 2017, you know, there has been growing digital solutions to try to, um, to improve the, uh, the, the, the trust in the system. Um, the, the international student program in Canada has grown exponentially over the past 10 years. Um, in 2022, there were 800,000 study permit holders in the country. Um, you know, of those, um, about three, over 300,000 of those were Indian students. Um, so there's, there's a huge demand, and I think part of the challenge IRCC is facing is, is trying to provide um, solutions, um, and they're looking at digital solutions to, you know, to, for verification, um, to, to prevent misrepresentation, to prevent fraud. I understand um, that it's, it's, a, it's a big problem for us, um, that requires cooperation throughout the sector um, in order for, um, for this to work for, for the benefit of all, um, for the benefit of the, the post-secondary institution to know that, um, that their documents aren't being faked, um, for the benefits of international students to know that they have a genuine letter of acceptance, that they're not being victims, they're, they're not victims of bad actors who do exist, unfortunately, um, across the world because it's, you know, Canada can't police the world. Um, so um, that's kind of how the evolution um, is looking. But ultimately, back to your question about what the process looks like, um, when the student has that letter of acceptance, they apply for a study permit, and it is an IRCC officer that approves them for a study permit. They get a visa if necessary, fly to Canada. The study permit is issued at the border upon arrival, and then they, they are expected to enroll at their school. Um, and they are, there, there are requirements, again, for them once they're in Canada to be actively pursuing their studies while they are here. Right. Okay. Matthew, thank you so much for explaining it to us this morning. My pleasure. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. 
Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.